0: Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin, and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hi guys and welcome back to Living Fully. I decided today to let you guys choose the subject of the podcast. I do have some guests coming up, several guests are coming up, so this will be just me. And I wanted to make sure that I covered a lot of the things that you guys tend to ask over and over. Now that we're in episode we're in the teens in the episodes, you guys can kind of see some of the types of things that we talk about on the podcast. I really value the things that really resonate with you guys. So today I decided to, for one of these like ones, these last few that I'm doing like by myself before we have some amazing guests on, I wanted to kind of go through some of those things. So a lot of you guys ask the same things and a lot of these questions get asked across all my platforms. So across my YouTube channel and my Instagram and in the Facebook group, just everywhere. So a lot of your questions will be lumped into some of these subjects that we're going to cover today. I would like to thank today's sponsor of the podcast, Smart Cups. You guys have heard me talking about Smart Cups in the podcasts before this one because we are obsessed. Smart Cups are the most amazing printed energy drink. They literally like come in a cup. You pour water in and it is the most amazing energy drink. You can go to SmartCups.com and enter the code Mallory20 for a discount. So you have to try these, especially if you're a person that feels like you're struggling with energy. I really, really love this product. So does Kyle and we keep them stocked all the time. So go to smartcups.com, enter the code Mallory20 for a discount and you'll hear a little bit more about those in the middle of the podcast. So I'm going to start with something that hits really close to home. Every every one of these subjects, I feel like hits close to home. Everything that I talk about in my podcast, I have been through myself. I have struggled with myself or triumphed myself or continue to struggle with or look for guidance through myself. And this one, it's really interesting because a lot of people ask me about, you know, how do you stay up all the time? How do you stay positive? How do you stay... Upbeat when life comes at you. And I want to open with this subject today because it is a really, really important thing. And I recently heard it was Gabrielle Bernstein that I heard call this something else. And I really love the way she put it. And I want to talk about it in this framework, so to speak. So she says, low vibe thinking, low energy thinking which can be anything, just like being in a bad mood all the time or being negative or calling yourself a pessimist or procrastinator or a bad mother, you know, calling yourself these things, bringing these things into your life. It can be fear. It can be anxiety, like not necessarily anxiety. Anxiety is kind of a different thing, but you know, fearful thinking and negative thinking, any kind of like low energy thinking. She says it's like an addiction. And I just want to briefly touch on that because man, I started thinking about this and I was like, wow, this is really true. And I think it could really ring true to a lot of my listeners. So as a person myself who has dealt with addiction, I know that an addiction is something that in your mind, you know, is bad in your mind, you know, it is ruining your life in your mind, you know, it is standing in the way of you living an incredible life And in your mind, you, you know what you have to do to fix it. You know, like I've got to stop whatever it is, drinking this or taking this or doing this behavior, but you can't. And you just know 100% that like it would make your life so much better and so much more full if you stopped doing this thing, but you can't, that is an addiction. I've been, you know, literally like dead in the middle of it. I've talked about it in my, in my first podcast and, there were times in my life where I knew if I continued down this kind of rabbit hole, I knew the end, I knew I was going to die. And still, like, it was really hard for me to stop and someone had to help me. So I want you to, for a second, think of these low energy ways that we are just as human beings as like an addiction. You know that when you wake up in the morning, if you changed your attitude from, look at the opportunity that I have today. Look at the opportunity that I have to make it through whatever hardship you may be facing or look at the opportunity I have to celebrate my amazing life, whatever phase that you're in. If you look at that as like a positive opportunity, I am, I'm I'm going to triumph th- through this. I am going to create the life that I love. I'm going to find my dream job. I'm going to find my dream mate. My children are going to see me as an amazing mother. If you see that in the morning versus oh my gosh, I have so much to do today. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm exhausted. Uh, I've got too much to do. My spouse doesn't listen to me. My children don't listen to me. They could both be the same person in scenario one and scenario two. That low energy, low vibe kind of way of thinking, it's going to have a completely different outcome in that day versus the people that try and elevate the way that they think. They think of themselves in a positive light. They think at... They think of hardships as opportunities. They think of phases of life that might be harder as things that are shaping them for this amazing life they're going to create in the future. Really think of that as just like an addiction, an obsession, something that you have to break or it's going to ruin your life. So the way, obviously, to break like any sort of addiction, whether it's substance addiction or behavioral addiction, first you have to recognize the problem. And a lot of times people don't want to lock in and look at their lives. So... I want you to look at your life and I want you to think, what is the first thing that I think of? What's the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning? Do you immediately grab your phone and start getting stressed? If you're a person that's more prone to stress, do you immediately start like barking orders at your family? Or do you wake up in the morning and you're saying good morning to everyone in your house and your children and your husband and you start your day really engaging with the people in your life and you start your day like making a plan. To move forward throughout the day in a really like positive, happy way. Because I talked about it in the last podcast, like these are the days of your life. So I really want you to break this cycle of negative thinking if you feel like you're in it. Now, I, for one, even though I am such a positive, you know, hi- higher vibe person, there were times in my life and things that I had brought into my life that absolutely made me the most like unhappy. Like I was, I was pessimistic. I was unhappy. I was just like so broken and sad that I had this low energy thought and this low energy way of thinking. And it just kept sucking me deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole until, you know, I was at rock bottom. I hit that. And then I really transformed my life. And now I feel like I live in a space of, of high energy, but I definitely fall into that, especially for me specifically stress, like waking up in the morning to be like, I've got way too much on my plate. I've taken away too much. How am I going to be a good mom and do all these things that I need to do within my business and be a good spouse and, you know, take time for myself. How am I going to do all these things? And I play that tape over and over in my head. And lately, something that I've really been working on is casting out that story and just being like, you know what? I'm grateful for all these opportunities. You know what? I am insanely grateful that I was able to have two children 17 months apart. They're going to be best friends. Yes, we're in the thick of it right now, but it's amazing. And the fact that I have a spouse that I get to, you know, really journey through this this crazy time in our life with, it's it's all good stuff. So don't turn your blessings into burdens by pessimistic thinking. So, yeah, look at it as like, an addiction, something that serious and change that because it'll ruin your life. So that encompassed about a third of the questions that I got asked. I got over a thousand subject requests. So I wanted to kind of address that in a little bit of a different light just here starting out. So another question that was asked several times and it kind of piggybacks off of this one is, what do you do when your life and your days in particular are overwhelming? And I feel like I can speak to this because of the season of life that I'm in. So these are two really specific things that I do when my days get overwhelming. Number one, it's this thing, I believe it's called time blocking. Time blocking and lists combined really, really help me to not feel overwhelmed. They're not gonna take tasks off of my plate, but as you and I both know, we can become like such a head case when we're stressed or when we have a lot of tasks that it can totally like be like, it's a wall. It's a wall between you and these tasks and it makes everything 10 times harder and it ruins the whole day that you're in. And I always, you know, whenever I have a lot of things to film or shoot, or when we have a lot of things on our plate, like as a family or, you know, say it's the holiday season, I've got a hundred things to do. The thing that helps me the most, first, I sit down and I make a full list. So I put the things that I need to do that day at the top of the list. And then at the bottom of the list, I literally will write out everything that needs to be done that's like weighing on my mind. So it could be over the next couple of days, over the next week, over the next month. All of those things, you know those things that are floating around in your head. You need to write them down on a piece of paper. And then make sure that the things that you put at the top of your list are manageable. So if you're putting 25 things on your list of things to do, you're not setting yourself up for success. You're setting yourself up for disaster. And if you truly do have 25 things that you need to get done in a day, then I think you need to take some things off of your plate in your life because there's no way to live your life. What do they say? Like, if you don't have five minutes, like you don't have a life. I truly believe that. And I've been a person that was totally consumed by busyness. And now it's kind of glorified in our society. Everybody wants to talk about the hustle and being busy all the time. And I have to fight that daily. That's one of my struggles in my own life. And it's something that I work on all the time. But it's, it's really, really something that you have to take a really, really hard look at and weed things out of your life if you've got that, just that bit, that overwhelming busyness. So first, I make sure that the things that I have on my list actually have to be done. And then I'll do a time blocking thing where I say, okay, from 10 to 11, I do this. From 11.30 to 12.30, I do this. From 12.45 to one thirty, I do this. And that really helps me when I get truly so overwhelmed with tasks. Also, there's a concept that I learned a long time ago in kind of my, like, family planning meetings that we have. One of our advisors told us to read this book called Eat That Frog, and it's about attacking the hardest thing or the largest thing that you have to do first during the day. It's such a funny title of the book, Eat That Frog, but... He talks about just like get it over with and how that can really free up your mind and really make for so much of a different day if you attack that larger thing first. So that's just a side note, but I do think those two things really help me in my daily life. Now, several people ask this question, so I wanted to do this one next advice to my younger self. So a lot of people said early twenties. Some people said like late teens. Some people said like late twenties, you know, whatever age it is, advice to my younger self. My advice to my younger self, gosh, I've had so many different journeys in my life already to where I am now and so many different phases and different things. One thing that I'm 100% that I would go back and tell myself is to be patient with relationships. Now, in your early 20s, especially if you're from a small town like I am or a place where people or a group of friends where people are getting married young, a lot of people will, because of this, settle for the person that they spend the rest of their lives with. And I say this all the time, but I believe that the person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with is probably the most important decision that you will make in your entire life. It will affect Everything. Everything. The person that's living in your house with you that you're going to raise your children with if you choose to have children, that you're going to exist with in this one life that you have, that is so important. And I was in so many relationships in my 20s where I just wanted it to work out. I was just ready to get engaged. I just wanted to get married. I wasn't thinking, is this the person that is going to make me better for the rest of my life? Do their values align with, with how I want to raise children? I didn't ask myself those things. I asked myself, when are we going to get engaged? When are we going to get married? And like looking back on that person, it, it makes me just shiver a little bit because I couldn't be further from that person where I am in my life right now. But I think no matter how strong of a woman you are or how vibrant of a person that you are, a lot of people fall into that. And it's not just in youth. It's in, you know, thirties, which is also youth, forties, fifties, like even second marriages, even relationships in your teens. I think a lot of us just fall in love with love (laughs) and you don't really think about it as a rest of your life kind of thing. You think about it as, okay, like I've got to be in a relationship and I need to get married to do all these things that I want to do and to make myself happy. So can you be that person for me? Because I'm looking for that person. And I think that that's Is a true travesty, and that can derail your life faster than anything. I almost will say anything. So be patient in relationships. You know, I always say, Thank the Lord, none of those men that weren't right for me asked me to marry them because it could be a totally different life for me today. I'm really, really happy with the person that I've chosen to spend my life with. And, you know, we were older when we met, and we got married a little bit older, I feel like, than a lot of people do. And for that I am so thankful. So that is advice that I would definitely give myself in my earlier years is to just be patient. And sometimes whenever I would have those like devastating breakups, whether I was the one breaking up or whether someone was breaking up with me, it was just, it was the end of the world to me. It was it was the end of the world. And if you're a person that's in the middle of that or that's getting ready to end a relationship that you know is not right. I'm gonna say these words to you and I really want you to take them to heart or write them down on a note. I used to write them down on an index card and I would look at it all the time. I would take it on my purse and I would look at it. This is so temporary. This is temporary. This will pass. This feeling, this gut-wrenching feeling in your soul and your stomach, it's gonna pass. And you're gonna end up with a person that's better for you. I am almost 100% sure. So that's advice I would give myself in my 20s. And another thing that I would tell my younger self is, you have 100 percent control over your life. I think in your youth, sometimes you think that it is another person's fault that something's happened to you, that things are just happening. That because you chose a major, you need to choose a certain job. And had I not chosen that major, maybe I didn't have to choose this job. But I have to. And I think that sometimes it's a lot harder for younger people to stand in their power. I think sometimes younger people, they stand in defiance, which they think may be power, but it's not. Standing in your power is knowing how to say no to things that don't make you happy. Standing in your power is choosing something that may be a little bit harder for you. Standing in your power is going in a different direction than maybe your parents think or your spouse thinks, or maybe you're making less money in a job. And you have. control over that. Of course, life happens to you. And there are things that you can't control. But you choose how you respond to those things. And I think just having the mentality of, I control this. And I can choose for my life to go in this direction or this direction. So grab a hold of it in the beginning when you're a young person and really be intentional about the choices that you make. Make good life choices. I'm not just talking about like peer pressure and, you know, choosing, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do this because of what people will think. I'm talking about like choosing maybe a harder road that is going to be a long-term play for you. I'm talking about choosing to, like I said while ago, end a relationship that may not be right for you. I'm talking about choosing to take on an extra job to get yourself out of debt so that you don't go into your 30s or into your 40s with any more debt so that you can free yourself from that. That's what I'm talking about. And you have 100% control over that, not only in your youth, but for the rest of your life. I would like to again revisit Smart Cups. So, I want to thank them for sponsoring this podcast and tell you guys a little bit more about them and about a giveaway that they're actually running right now. So, basically, they're these amazing energy drinks. We take them everywhere. We take them when we go on vacation, we take them to the beach, we take them to the mountains. All you do is pour water into these cups. They're a printed beverage and they turn into the most amazing energy drinks. So, they've actually reformulated a lot of flavors lately. So, even if you tried them before, you should try them again. there's only five calories, I believe, and one carb. So they're really guilt-free. I never crash off of Smart Cups, which I feel like I crash whenever I drink energy drinks or any sort of like caffeinated thing a lot of times. But I really, really love these. And right now, I'll leave this link to this landing page in my description. You can actually enter to win this giveaway where they're giving away Smart Cups for an entire year. All you have to do is put your email address in and you're entered to win. So I'll I'll put that below. And then also, if you just want to buy them for yourself, I highly recommend it. Go to smartcups.com and enter the code Mallory20 for a discount. So thanks so much to Smart Cups for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, I had several questions about... Faith, about like my personal walk with faith, about raising children in a particular faith, about converting to another religion. So I want to talk briefly about that. So I think that there are certain people in the world that have experienced God or whatever you want to call God, the universe, whatever higher power you have in such a way that it is so undeniable that like you can't not have faith that my friends is me i have seen things in my life and had such life altering things where i could feel the presence of god so strongly that there was absolutely no way for the rest of my life that i could could deny that there's just not i've been you know saved from the depths of despair and I, you I could feel or I could see I, it, there was such a presence that it was a tangible thing to me. And you know, from the time that I was little, I was raised in the Catholic faith and I'm still Catholic today, but I, I don't think you have to be a part of a certain religion, but I love the Catholic faith. I love the traditions in it. I love a lot of things about it. So that works for me. But you know I went to a Catholic school growing up and I have attended you know mass my, my whole life, but but part of the Catholic faith in particular. Is this idea of like asking for a sign, or at least maybe like this is something that was taught to me by my family and the Catholic faith and the priests that I happen to have in my life? But ever since I was little, I would, if I needed an answer about something, or if I needed like just to feel the presence of God in my life, I would ask for a sign. And so many times in my life, I would ask to see, whether it was like to see something, I want to see in the dead middle of winter, you know, a red rose, or I want to, you know, see whatever it is, whatever you choose. And it was just so, it was always there for me. And that was always a prayer that was that was answered. And I've always felt, you know, the presence of God in my life, especially when I talk about the things that I went through in my early twenties in this kind of dark time. So I used to, I lived in Nashville. I still live in Nashville, but I lived on Music Row and there was a church that I went to and it was on Belmont Boulevard and I used to run every single day. This is in the midst of, you know, I was hooked on prescription medication. I was just like so a shell of myself and so unhappy. I'd isolated everyone in my life and every day I would run and I would run down. It's called Belmont Boulevard. That's what the road is called. I would run down this road and I would run to the church every single day and by myself in the middle of that church, I would kneel my, I remember this like yesterday, my knees on that cold altar and I would beg for this feeling and this just emptiness to be taken away from me. And this went on for about a year and a half and I would run to the church and I would like say a rosary, which is a prayer that you can say in the Catholic faith or I would just like pray just normal like prayers that everyone prays. I would do this all the way to the church. As I was running there, I would light a candle in the church. I would literally like kneel on the altar and say that prayer and I would run back. And while I was praying that prayer, like, please take this away from me. I know now that like the answer to that prayer was me having professional help out of that phase of my life and leading me to this incredible life that I have now. But I pr- I've never prayed for anything harder and I prayed for that. And I believe that that, you know, saved my life in so many ways. And that's the reason that I'm here today and kind of speaking the message that I speak. And it doesn't have to be, you can call it whatever you want to, but any sort of like power that is higher than you, even if you're you're a person that like faith is not a huge part of your life, why not just give it a try? You know, why not just pray to whatever you want to call it and see what happens in your life because it's a pretty incredible thing in mind and i was raised by a family that was a very faithful family and i think that a lot of my faith is attributed to that because it was really ingrained in me from a young age in a very like open way not in a you have to do this way but in a look at this amazing thing that that is that is faith And I had examples of just people that were such bright lights in my life. And faith was such a huge part of their existence. So it was something that I wanted for myself. I saw faith modeled in such a beautiful way with people in my family that I could not want that for myself. So it's a huge part of my life today. We go to a church called Christ the King in Nashville. And it's a huge, huge part of my life. And Right now, in my own faith journey, the thing that I'm trying not to do is, like, be manic kind of with my faith. I feel like sometimes, like, when your life is going well, you only really, really lock into prayer and really pray really, really hard for something, like when something goes wrong or when you need something. And I'm really, really trying to be conscious of when I'm doing that myself and trying to make a change and trying to, you know, pray prayers of gratitude all the time. And I pray like over my kids every night. I, I pray for them to be safe through the night. And i just pray for them to be a light in the world. And I pray even for little things like, please help shepherd's stomach stop hurting or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's a huge part of my life. So I'm glad that a lot of people asked that question and I wanted to answer that one. And then I'm going to journey on to motherhood. So I would say a third, maybe half of the questions that I got were on motherhood, whether it was about getting pregnant, pregnancy, birth, going from zero to one children or one to two children, breastfeeding. So I'm just going to address some of these things in general. And then I'm going to close out this podcast because I don't want it to be too long because I want you guys to get on to manifesting some good days for yourself. So, you know, motherhood is... I think I said this on the last podcast, I feel like I've become a different version of myself with my first child and then with my second child. And right now I'm in such a different phase of my life with two children than I was with one child. So I feel like I have so many different thoughts about motherhood and so many different ways that I do things. But I think that one really important thing to say Is a lot of people ask me the question, "How did you know? How did you know you were ready?" I knew I was ready because I knew I had chosen a partner that, whenever I didn't know what to do, was going to know what to do. I chose a partner that I knew was going to raise amazing children alongside of me. So I knew I had that in place. I also knew that like I had family around me that showed me a great example of how to raise a family. I knew like I was financially, you know, where I need to be. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be anything insane, but you want to be stable, I feel like. And I knew I loved children and I wanted to be a mom. I don't know that there's that like click in your mind, oh, now is the right time. Maybe there is for some people, but for me, I just, I knew I wanted to have children. So I was like, okay, sure, now. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people ask me, how did you know? I don't know that I really did know. I think you just like ride the waves of life and that I was riding that wave and, had my first child, and it was so life-changing in so many good ways and so many challenging ways. And just like anything amazing that comes into your life, it always comes with things that you'll struggle with. And I got the question a lot, was going from zero children to one child easier than going from one to two? I think, for me at least, going from no children to having a child was a bigger change than going from one child to two children. Our, our, our transition from one to two has actually been pretty easy, but also not easy, but like easier than you would think with children 17 months apart. I think that I do not compare myself to other mothers. At all these days, I would say. I I would say I'm 100% sure of that. And I think I might have done that with um, Ford a little bit maybe. But now I I know when I'm doing a good job. And I celebrate that. And I'm not afraid to say that out loud. I also know when I'm struggling with it and when I'm not being 100%. And I'm okay with that. And I don't go sulk in a corner and be like, I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad mom. I just pick myself up and I recognize it. And then I move forward. And I think that that's made a big difference in me as a mom this time around. I think that when you have two children, it's almost a little bit easier because you can't do anything else like halfway. So when you have two children, and I do not have a full-time nanny. A lot of people ask me that. The answer is no, no. I have a great sitter that helps me from about four o'clock to seven thirty two days a week, and then you know a couple random people like here or there. but you know, besides like our family and and these people that that I have that are really fantastic, but it's not like on a regular basis, I just I feel like you really have to just let go of things you can't do you can't do things halfway. I'm very, very fortunate to have my husband at home with me because we work together here. But yeah, you just have to let go of other things and you really have to lock into the children in front of you or else they ain't going to survive and you ain't going to survive. And a lot of people ask me about like, you know, schedules and breastfeeding and stuff like that. And it's so funny. And I actually haven't talked a lot about this, but with Ford, I was so strict with everything. I was strict. I remember waking him up every three hours to to breastfeed him. I was breastfeeding for at the beginning, and I mean, I wouldn't go fifteen minutes over. I wouldn't start fifteen minutes before. I was I was really trying to stay on the schedule so much. Like after you get past that first couple weeks where you have to kind of feed him all the time, and I would time on this app the right side. I would feed him off of, and then the left side. I would feed him off of. I started out with fifteen minutes aside each side, each feeding. Then I did 12 minutes. Then I did 10. I was like so strict. And everyone's like, you know, when that second child comes along, you're going to get so much more laxed. And like, oh, second child. That is so true. <laughs> so with poor Shepherd. I feel like, you know, he tells us when he needs to eat. We stay pretty much on a schedule because it's very important with sleeping, I feel like, personally. And so we try to stick to that. But I don't use an app anymore. And sometimes I use the wrong detergent. And sometimes I, (laughs) I mean, there's just like so many things that you just let it go. And he's a really laid back baby. And you wonder if like that matters. You wonder if the way that you are as a mother in their presence is affecting like the way that they are and their little personalities. It's just a funny thing. So yeah, the second child, I've definitely been a lot more laxed with, I would say. And the transition from one child to two has been, I would say, 90% a joy, 10% mass chaos and stress and exhaustion. Actually, maybe 15 (laughs) because I'm pretty tired uh, right now. And then you know my children are young 17 months is the age of my oldest child so when people ask questions about you know raising children in an age of social media and raising kind children and stuff like that I haven't dealt with some of that stuff yet but I will tell you that I was raised in a family that you guys have heard me talk about this a lot where living your life with a really intentional legacy and and living these really grand existences Not in terms of success, but just in terms of the person, the human being that you are. This was something that I I grew up with in the forefront of my mind. And I really, really hope that I model that for my children to be a person just of so much substance and character, especially in a world where sometimes it seems like it doesn't matter as much as it used to. That is super, super important to me. And I'll see how I deal with all those things. And of course, I'll journey through these things and I'll share with you how I'm handling them as I am. But that's the thing that I kind of think in general about. I just just want them to be good human beings. I was raised in a house where like kindness was something that was so instilled in us. And even more so than like achievement and things like that. We were definitely like, Achievement was really important, but kindness was so important too, and treating everyone like everyone the same. That was a really big thing that was preached in my family, and something that I'll teach my children too. But yeah, I would definitely say to all you mothers out there, I think it's so, so important too, lastly, on this kind of topic of motherhood, to have moms in your corner that are going to build you up and that are going to make you feel like an amazing mother when you're having bad days or when you're struggling with something because just because you're struggling with something or cause you're going through a phase or cause your children can't stop crying or screaming does not mean that you're a bad mother. In fact, like if you're reaching out to people and if you're listening to this podcast and if you're asking questions about like, how do I do this? Or, you know, how do you do this as a mother? That shows me that you're an amazing mother because you care and struggle is part of all of the grandest things in life. Every single great thing that you'll ever do in your life, those deep struggles are going to be a part of them. So, I embrace that a lot of times in my journey in motherhood, and I think it's just part of it. And I'm going to close with this one because I I really am glad that someone asked this question because it relates to something that I used to struggle a lot with in my own life. So, the question was, Do you have any advice for a people pleaser? And I used to definitely be a people pleaser, a really, really bad people pleaser. I would put other people's happiness before my own. I would literally break my back to do something so small for someone that this person was going to forget about the next day and put myself aside. I could have like a full day of things to do. And if some random person asked me to do something, I didn't want to disappoint them. And I would wreck my own life, wreck my own day, wreck my own relationships over pleasing random people in my life. And when you look at at this, when you look at the insanity around people pleasing, it really, really seems like a duh, like, of course, I, I'm not going to do that. It, it's so easy not to do that, but it's not you can get stuck in the cycle of people pleasing and it can really, really ruin your life. And, you know, I, I definitely did a lot of work around this and in, in therapy. And I think that like boundaries with people are important and, and different things and you can call them w- what you will, but really it's just kind of about choose your own life and happiness over choosing to please other people and choosing, to have other people feel and think a certain way about you. Because the way that you feel about yourself is 150,000 times more important. So yeah, people-pleasing is something that if you recognize in yourself, you should stop dead in your tracks and recognize that and really, really, really strive to eliminate that from your life. And, you know, while I would love to give... Some this is exactly how you do it. It's going to be different for different people because it depends on if you're pleasing the people in your immediate family, if you're pleasing coworkers, if you're pleasing friends. You know, I think that any time you want to move forward with something that you're struggling with, though, you have to recognize it in yourself. So recognize first if you are doing that, and then you just got to make the choice to say no. It sounds like a really really simple thing, but if you don't have time to do something, or if something doesn't bring you joy, or if a person is not appreciative of you. After you do something, you are going to have to learn to say no, and it's going to be hard in the beginning because you're going to feel in the pit of your stomach, oh my gosh, like what are they thinking about me? You have to learn to let that go. See that as a thought and just let it pass. And it will, just like what I was talking about a while ago with relationships, that feeling that you'll feel will be temporary, but the effects of choosing not to be a people pleaser will be very lasting and will make for a pretty amazing life. If you choose yourself and choose your own life. so there were like literally a thousand questions, but these were some of the things that I feel like were asked about over and over. And I just wanted to do one more kind of chatty, feel like I'm talking to a friend in the car podcast before I dive into some of these interviews with other people. And I'm really excited about some of these podcasts that are coming up. and I greatly, greatly appreciate you guys listening to these podcasts. And thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. Don't worry if your question or your subject was not answered in this podcast. I have a whole list now of subjects that I'm going to do podcasts on. So a lot of your subjects may get a whole podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next Monday for another podcast. Make sure you leave a review and keep listening. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on malloryirvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.